Got time for a quick story? It's not often that you are bequeathed lyrics from a musical legend for which you can do what you want with those lyrics. Grace Slick is a musical legend. You say Grace Slick to anyone who knows anything about pop and rock music and immediately you're picturing White Rabbit, somebody to love. So many songs through the Jefferson Airplane to Jefferson Starship to Starship era. She has one of the most distinct, iconic voices in pop and rock music. Kathy Richardson is now singing lead for Jefferson Starship. And sure sounds appropriate for the role. Well, she and Grace Slick were in communication. And as you'll hear coming up in a little bit, you'll hear exactly why. And it led to Kathy receiving lyrics from Grace Slick to use as she sees fit. Which resulted in the first new single from Jefferson Starship in many, many years called It's About Time from their EP, Mother of the Sun, which arrives on August 21st. And we are talking today in this episode of Got Time for a Quick Story with Kathy Richardson, lead singer of Jefferson Starship. So about this story you have on It's About Time, and and again, in that Facebook chat you did back on Friday from where you're at, and you had the sheet of lyrics. I did. I, I went and hit it up in my room again so I could go get it, but but leave us with dead air. You right. talk to my son. He's here playing Legos. <laughs> mind. That, could, that could be more entertaining in its own way. Also, as you were talking about in that interview, you were saying, you know, like, it's getting a little dog-eared. I mean, I don't want you to get too many fingerprints on it or risk getting a, a crease or something in that one. Yeah, well, only the envelope that it came in. Well, to fill the listeners in, uh, Grace Slick mailed me these lyrics Um three sheets of lyrics for this idea of a song called it's about time that we discussed writing a female empowerment anthem for the, for the times. And, uh, and so she, I got this letter from her in the mail um, that with these handwritten lyrics, she doesn't do computers. She doesn't do cell phones. She doesn't do any of that stuff. Like if you call her on the phone, you have to leave a message on it, like a cassette, you know, answering machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, um, so it, it is a priceless thing. Only the envelope itself has gotten dog-eared. The, the lyrics are pristine. They have not been, you know, coffee has not been spilled on them yet. So that, that's why I, try. I just like lock them in a drawer in my bedroom until I figure out what I'm going to do with them. <laughs> that's good. That's good. So yeah. yeah, the, the origin story on this, you were, you were talking about this in the other interviews about how this came from your hanging out with, with Grace at, yep. while w- watching the coverage of, of the women's marches and, and playing, mm-hmm. The uh, playing the other new song that ultimately is on the CP was "What Are We Waiting For?" You're playing for her, Correct. yeah. At yeah, that time, how long? For... When exactly? I mean, I remember there was the wave of women's marches. Was it? Uh, was it January 27th? Or it depends on yeah. which which one. 2017. Okay. Yeah, 2017. So it and was. You know, this record's been in the works for quite a while, um, and we have such a busy road schedule that it's hard for us to get together. I live in Chicago, and you know, some of the guys live in San Francisco, LA, the Sierra mountains. So it's, it's like hard for us to get together in the same room. It's easier for the California guys, less easy for me, unless I get on an airplane, which of course, you know, nobody's doing now, but you know, during those years, we've been touring so much, playing 70 shows a year, flying this way, that way, you know, when I get home, it's like, I barely have time. You know, I got to 
hang out with my kids for a minute, you know? Right. <laughs> so it took a while. Uh, and it was, what are we waiting for? was the first song we'd written. I played her that song. She loved it. She said it, it remind, it sounded to her like old, old and new uh, Jefferson. And it really felt on, you know, on point for, for her, for the band, for this legacy. So I asked her if she would be interested in collaborating on a new song. And, you know, I, I didn't hear from her for several months. And I was very surprised when I received <laughs> this amazing, like an envelope of lyrics from Grace Slick. And it's like, oh my God, wait, you know, I here she is over my shoulder. She's like, she's watching over me. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Yeah. <laughs> that it's So you have the lyrics. You then are working on the road with, with Jude coming up with chords and doing some additional writing. What, it, uh, yeah. what kind of... He, I mean, and I'm watching his video. I would encourage anyone to, if you want, want to get a good idea of how to play the guitar, Jefferson Starship style, modern 2020, watch his video. I was just watching. They're like, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. He's got all Jude the Gold is He's a monster. Yeah. Oh, my In gosh. It's incredible. Um, yeah. Your contribution to the song, what parts did you write in this one? I actually wrote quite a bit of it. Um, I wrote the chorus. The, I wrote the chords for the chorus. Um, and I did take bits and pieces of the lyrics that she sent to me for the verses. And I also filled in quite a few of those, the melody, um, Jude had written the big, the riff. And, um, we used those chords for the chords of the, of the verse. So it, you know, I, I did have quite a hand in it actually. Um, I, I wrote a lot of the lyrics. So how, as well as so how much writing have you done now in total for anything Jefferson Starship related at this point? Uh, well, I've got co-writes on three, four of the four of the six songs. We actually have two versions of What Are We Waiting For? So it's seven tracks on the EP. Okay. Um, but I, I have co-writes on four of those. Nice. Um, yeah. The two versions, what, is, it, is it like a studio and a live version or acoustic or how are those two different? It's a it's a shortened version and an extended version. Okay. Like originally we wrote it and it had every chorus was a double chorus and then you know it was like oh that's too long for radio and I'm like but it's so good we don't want it. <laughs> I don't want to add so right. we didn't edit with the thought of for radio it needs to be you know four minutes or less so the the but when we play it live we do a whole psychedelic freak out at the end which is very um, Jefferson airplane ish a lot mm-hmm. of just feedback and weird sounds. And um, I love, you know, when I, I play um, 12 string Rickenbacker in the band live on stage at, and it was Paul Kantner's guitar. So when, when he passed away, it was such a big part of our sound. Um, I asked if, if I asked the family, if we could have one of the guitars to play so that we could, you know, so his spirit could still be with us. And so um, China, his uh, daughter gave me the, the black, 12 string Rickenbacker that I play. And, you know, a Rickenbacker is not really a psychedelic uh, <laughs> guitar and then not the way people think of it. So I think it's really fun to just get down, turn my amp up all the way, no effects, just the amp reverb the tremolo from the amp and just make, start making like psych- crazy space sounds out of a guitar and a system that really, there's not really much to it. It's so, I love that to me. It's very, uh, 
very 60s. <laughs> well, to be fair, that kind of, I mean, you're probably channeling what I'm sure some artists were doing circa 1965, 66, 67, because yeah. they're probably a good number. <laughs> they're playing the Reckenbacher. That was becoming more of a thing back then, circa, you know, Birds and Harrison, what they were starting to do. Well, if you're going to try to do something psychedelic, you work with what you had. And for, I'm sure there are a lot of them that are like, well, let's try to do something with a Reckenbacher. So you're probably not that far off, really, if you think about it. I, I, I don't think that I am. I mean, from what I've read and studied about, you know, the originators of rock and roll, you know, the first time they plugged an electric guitar into an amp, that sound, I mean, it changed everything. And uh, getting the feedback and, you know, of course, Jimi Hendrix was really um, instrumental in creating a lot of those weird, crazy sounds, making the guitar do things no one had ever heard before. They really didn't have a ton to work with. Mm -hmm. You know, a wah-wah pedal is just um, like a mid-range EQ, you know, mm -hmm. that it's, so it's really, um, I, I think it's amazing what what these bands came up with in those days, just being innovative. Being on, doing it all on the fly, you didn't have the garage band app to come up with a amp for you a psychedelic amp and you just tap on that okay great but yeah that's because apple came right. up with that that's cool um yeah your you, you mentioned paul Kantner, and yeah. in a lot of the other interviews and in your interviews have come up the topic of channeling his spirit mm -hmm. his whatever however you can describe something that's ethereal but paul Kantner yeah. is i mean I, I'm only going to say this for the sake of the interviewers, not for your sake, because you know this. Paul Katner <laughs> is endemic to Jefferson Starship slash Jefferson Airplane. Without him, this isn't happening, period. Right, exactly. So then we'll try to do the difficult thing. And how do you tangibly describe the spirit of Paul Katner within the band and the music of the band and the performance of the band to this day, to today? Well, first of all, when we when we first got together to write um, and we started playing, we just were jamming. And um, one of the very first things we came up with was a song, What Are We Waiting For? Donnie just starts playing this really amazing groove on the drums, jungly kind of um, toms. And I start playing the chords that became the chord progression. And Donnie starts singing, what are we waiting for? He was thinking of things that Paul used to say all the time, because we really wanted him to be part of it. So um, he his actually reason for saying, what are we waiting for? Because he was very impatient. He wanted everything to say, you know, what are we waiting for? Why is this next song not starting? So um, it, it was kind of funny, but, you know, um, it, as it's being birthed, you know, um, Jude really was like, you know, what are we waiting for? Social justice. What are we waiting for? This and that. And so I'm like, yeah, that's an amazing idea. So I went home and I wrote the words that start out sort of um, universal, very pulled back in space and time, and then focus in on today and what's going on today. And so we have a very, it's, I guess you could call it politically charged, but I think it's more less political and more of a, a rallying cry for or change for justice, um, you know, on this planet, which Paul was a hundred percent. That was his whole MO and all of Paul's songs. When I was uh, growing up as a kid, listening to Jefferson Starship and Jefferson Airplane, most of Paul's songs had a bigger message. Um, he was very in, 
environmental issues were a big concern to him, taking care of the earth. I mean, that goes way back to um, blows against the empire. T talking about American garbage dumped in space, you know, just being concerned about all the things that we're doing to abuse the planet. So I know that he would be, that's one way that his influence has carried forward and um, involving some of his his past collaborators like Grace, um, Pete Sears comes back on the record for three songs that Pete, uh, Pete played bass in Jefferson Starship, the original all the way to the end of Starship. And, um, and uh, we have a song that we, uh, Chris, our keyboard player co-wrote with Marty Ballin, um, which is really beautiful. And, and I think like Paul, Paul was really into the idea of a collaboration. He wanted the best people. He didn't, it wasn't about him. He wanted people he could harmonize with. He loved the sound of multiple voices ringing together and especially having a female voice that was very important to him. So I'm very honored to have been chosen to, <laughs> to fill that spot when it was open. Uh, but so we, you know, with It's About Time, that anthemic chorus, I definitely had Paul in mind, the big three-part harmonies, the social justice, um, you know, is that, is that tangible? It, it, it is. <laughs> it, it, okay. it does. There's actually even more to unpack from that, I would, I would say, um, yeah. on the social justice theme. We've all seen the comparisons of 1968 to 2020, and is it really? Is it worse? Is it better? What What is it? And I mean, they're they're different. It's multiple generations on, so you can't make a direct comparison. But mm -hmm. that's been kind of a theme over the past few months of what's happening this year. And is there some echo to the late 1960s? So mm -hmm. naturally, the music of that era is going to start to come up. I've also yeah. noticed that if Older acts, acts that have been around a longer time, release new music now, not all the time, but it seems about half the time it's because they have a message. They they want to put out something. They got they really have right. something to say beyond just touring with the old hits. So from your right. perspective, being in a band that has pretty strong roots and connections back to that era, do you do you feel as though there's some sort of a some sort of a spiritual or cultural climate return to that era going on in the country right now how would you compare it or how different is it it's so so similar honestly um it's it's amazing and you know we've been feeling this for a while but now here we are in 2020 like three years after we've written these songs and we're like they're they're so these messages are so important. We want to say them. So we have to get these songs out now. We don't care if there's a pandemic and we're not on the road to support the album. We want to get these, this music out. And so it's funny. What are we waiting for? It's about time. I mean, all that. It's like this. The messages of our songs are urging us to push them forward. And I think, um, you know, you see the youth movement um, understand, you know, joining in with the Black Lives Matter protests. That's very much like the 60s. Um, but, you know, the, I think now, I don't think in the 60s they could have even predicted how weird it was going to get with, with technology and, the, uh, and social media and how messages can be manipulated. And I think that our, our country's been super manipulated um, and, and by forces who want to divide us. I mean, just, you know, we talked about um, when I talked to... Um, Mitch Lafon last week, we talked about the whole mask thing, but what is, why is, 
wearing a mask in a global pandemic, some like infringement on your freedoms. We're, we're trying to stay alive here. You know, we want to get back to work. We need to stop this thing. And like the like, but it, the messages are, if, if you want to believe that you're going to find uh, a lot of voices out there, people agreeing with you, which just stirs it up and makes people think it's okay. I'm, I want to go back to the days where racism was wrong and we cared about each other as a country and it didn't matter what political party you were. We could have a civil discourse. We could disagree, but we all really want the same thing. So, um, it, yes, you're, you're absolutely right. It, it completely relates to the 60s. It relates back to this band, the, the movement, the youth movement that was going on back then protesting the war. And... Um, and so many parallels. Uh, it's it's stunning, really. Well, and another thing that I find fascinating with some other concurrent pop music, I think there was a rap album that came out. Uh, I'm trying to think which which one it was, but it was about a month ago, and I'm blanking on the, the on the artist's name. But it was one of those where the lyrics were composed back in November. But it's yeah. remarkably timely for today, and this was before a lot of this was happening. I mean, it was brewing. Yeah. I mean, the culture was brewing, but like the pandemic hadn't started. Obviously, there's right. a lot that was still to come, but it's almost eerie. There have been other songs for that. So I'm curious, when were the lyrics finished for whether they were recorded or not? But when were the lyrics finished for what became the CP? I would say 20, 2017. Wow. 20, yeah. So there. I mean, there you go. Prophetic by three years. Right. You don't even know that that's what it, it's going to be even yeah. more timely. This yeah. this is a recurring theme in, in music right now. I, I keep seeing that. Are you seeing the same thing with other artists, too? I, I mean, it's great. I've seen with some of my own songs that I've written unrelated to Jefferson Starship. I, I wrote this song um, in my my I have a project called Macrodots with uh, guitarist and producer Zach Smith. And we put out a record and God, what, this was maybe. I don't know. It's, it's been a while and I don't know the date on the record, but I'd written a song called Peaceful Protest um, about, I, I was, you know, I was stunned when I saw that the UC Berkeley students or whatever University of California students were protesting peacefully on their knees. And this police officer on camera comes right up and just starts spraying him in the face with a can of pepper spray as if they were, bugs that he was trying to exterminate and it shocked me so much to see that and it reminded me of Kent State and soldiers actually shooting students who are protesting and killing them killing Americans uh you know these kids were not killed but um it shocked me so much that I wrote I wrote the song Peaceful Protest um I don't even know if anybody could find it out there by Macrodots but um I it's such a timely song to this day I feel like I could take all the news footage and uh, of current times and cut it together and make uh, make a new, brand new video that sounded like the song was written yesterday. Wow. But, and it's, and it, it's horrifying, actually. Yeah, you don't, you don't <laughs> want to... it keeps to, happening. Right, you don't want to find out that it continues that way. Um, and I just right. remembered Run the Jewels is the name of the, of the act that just put out that album. Okay. So Run the Jewels is the one that was, like, eerily prophetic. Also, huh. the sound of Jefferson Starship, when I first heard It's About Time, it was about a couple weeks ago or whatever the whatever the date was that the song first came out and my first thought hearing that is wow this sounds like jefferson starship 
which I mean, I I know. And (laughs) how do you describe, I mean, and I say this rhetorically, how does one describe how a band sounds? Because bands will, bands have certain sounds because either someone plays a certain way or sings a certain way or they have a certain type of instrument, but then also there's evolution and, and different eras sound different. Yet there was just something about this that between probably a bit your voice I mean, I hear parts of Grace Slick in it. I'm sure a whole lot. That's probably a part of how you got the gig. You you, you sound <laughs> like you should be singing songs from Jefferson Airplane, yeah. Jefferson Starship. Um, also, you got members in the band, obviously Dave Freiberg and Donnie Baldwin. They, I mean, they were there, and the others, Jude and Chris, they've been in yeah. in it long enough. Yeah. So and we, and we brought and we have Pete Sears too, who right? Is very of very, course, uh, big um, part of the sound. By the way, um, which songs does Pete Sears play bass on? Was it three? Which ones does he play bass on? He plays he plays bass on what uh, on it's about time on uh, setting sun and runaway again. Okay, cool. Which um, was a total accident. We didn't mean to write another runaway song, but it, ours is runaway again. <laughs> it's quite different. Well, a pro, a, appropriate t- title that we yeah um, yeah. But so obviously, I mean, three members of the early '80s era of Jefferson Starship, um, right. right there. And '70s. I mean, it, David and and Pete actually in the band they would trade playing bass and keyboards all through the 70s you know so um the you know and david's voice i don't know if people really understand david and donnie sang background background vocals on all those records and all those thick harmonies which is definitely a signature jefferson sound to me anyway um their voices are on those records so it 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 definitely it it should sound like jefferson starship because it is and uh, but I love the the fact that the song that we wrote sounds like Jefferson Starship. And uh, I really I feel I feel honestly, I wrote the chorus, but I, I felt like I got Grace's lyrics. I just picked up my guitar and I just started singing. It's about time. It's about time. It's about time. Because she'd written it's about time like 100 times. A day. So like, OK, this <laughs> right. is the hook. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I would still wonder to this day what she had in her mind. Like she probably had some kind of melody in her mind, but she never expressed it to me. She just said, do whatever you want with it. So, but like that, that chorus sounds to me, it reminds me very much of like KBC band era. That was, you know, Cantner, Bell and Cassidy Mm -hmm. after Paul left the Starship and they went and did Starship. He started KBC band, which was an eighties new music version of, but, but with the Jefferson airplane guys. So um, I feel like Paul would love the song, and maybe he's the one who put it in my head. Who knows? It's very, it's, it's possible. <laughs> so, I, so how would you describe that that Jefferson Starship sound? What's the thread, or what's the characteristic word, regardless of if it's Mother of the Sun material, whether it's stuff going back to Red Octopus, whether whatever it is, how uh, singing the songs? How would you describe whatever thread ties everything together? I think I think singing the three part harmonies, the 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 big car- choruses, big harmonies, um, just strong songwriting. Um, we don't get too out and too weird. I think the songs are are, but I think the songs are really really strong. Um, although Jude plays uh, his really incredible live version of uh, Embryonic Journey on electric that he adapted from Yorma Kalkinen's Acoustic Embryonic Journey, and that's a really that's a cool thing. Um, but yeah, I think, I think uh, going back to what I was starting to say earlier about how Paul 
wanted to, he always wanted the best person to fill a role in the band and knew, knowing that the sum was, uh, the whole was greater than the sum of its parts. So when Marty Ballin left the band, who's the best singer in San Francisco, the best guy singer, David Freiberg, get him in, you know? Um, and then, and even, you know, it, it, it's always like, you don't like, you hate to see a band member go, but you want to keep the band going. So you just get the next best person that comes along. And Jude happened to be that with us. And I, I had already been playing with me in my band for several years. And I had brought him out to a show. We were playing in Los Angeles where he lives. And he came out to a show and Slick, our guitar player, uh, Slick Aguilar, was not feeling well. And he said, tell Jude to bring his guitar. And he comes out to play a song and Slick says, stay here, stay here. And he kept him on stage the whole time. Jude played the whole show. A couple days later, Slick is finds out he's got hep C and his liver is failing and he needs a liver transplant. He's out. And it was literally like, I, w I had no idea that was happening, I, I, but that night I had a dream that Jude was in the band. And I woke up, I go to my email, I see it from the manager, emergency, Slick Aguilar is out. We're getting on a plane in 48 hours to go to Israel, Italy. Like we're going to uh, overseas. We have one show first in, in the US where we're playing a set of Jefferson Starship and a set of Beatles songs because it was a Beatle festival and Jude and I'm like call Jude and the manager goes I already called him and I, and Jude calls me Kathy what should I do and I'm like man I dreamed it you're gonna be in Jefferson Starship it's it's already ordained it's it's already happened so uh and of course Paul loved him to pieces and uh he's he's so wonderful it, it, it it's like the I can say the only reason that he didn't get snatched up and taken away by another band was because the perfect time was waiting for mm -hmm. him to step into this. <laughs> <laughs> well, and to my to my final question has to do with the nature of family in that band. It's a, it's a good segue, and that's something that I've heard repeatedly in the in the recent talks is about how this band, over time, to varying degrees, has been like a family. I think Dave Freiberg said in the Consequence of Sound podcast. Um, the one where he unveiled the information about the, the new music that he said, like, it feels more like a family now than ever, I think is what I think that was the one I might be confusing with another. So how would you describe Jefferson Starship today in terms of it being like a family as opposed to describing it as a band? Well, I, I would definitely call us a family. I mean, we've spent I've been in the band for 13 years much of that time was just spent on the road. So you're traveling together, you're in tight spaces. There's not a lot to do. Uh, you don't know anybody except each other. So just out of that natural habitat, we got so close and there's not really, I mean, in this group of people, with the exception of maybe me, nobody has a, a very large ego. You know? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and and we, honestly, we, we all agree 99.9% percent of the time, which is very unusual for a band, I would say. Um, and so we, for, you know, we sort of formed a union together as the musicians, you know, and uh, as the sidemen or whatever, so that when, when Paul passed away and we were given the keys to keep flying the Starship, um, it's, it's been a really harmonious thing. And I think that's what David's talking about. There's not infighting or my I want my song on the record or turn me up or this or that like it's you know there's a lot of trust 
we trust each other that we're going to go out on stage and everybody's going to do their, their job and kill it, you know? And then when things go weird, we like, we'll try to actually talk about it. Like <laughs> we'll have a little therapy session, you know? Uh, but, but mostly, you know, we mostly just really like each other. I mean, they're, these guys are just such great, great guys. And, uh, I love being in a band. I love being part of a band and it's, it's just like the fantasy of my life to be in a band, traveling on the road, going out playing and, um, being friends. And, you know, it's, it, it's really, we've actually achieved that with this unit, which is, uh, it's such a blessing. Well, five weeks from, I think today, if I'm doing my math right, that would be August 21st is when the EP arrives. Mother Yay. of the Sun. I'm looking yes, forward to it. I'm excited to hear what that all sounds like. And especially having all the guys before having Pete back in, the, all all the eras, you're sounding great. Everyone's sounding great. Thank you, Kathy Yay. Richardson, so much Thank for you so taking, much. taking Thanks. time. Thanks. I can't wait for you guys to hear it, the whole thing. It'll be exciting. Oh, I mentioned one more cool thing. I know yes. you're trying to wrap it up. Um, I keep forgetting to tell people about this amazing um, uh, package, this this. CD package that we've created. What is this? My son is giving me a small piece of bacon. <laughs> I'm going to save that. Uh, uh, <laughs> the, we've created this amazing specialty box. I'm calling it the space box. It, and this young artist, Nicholas Moeller, did these really cool collages of regular life in, with space. And mm-hmm. um, this, when the CD box is folded, it's the size of a regular CD, but when you open it, it opens up into this big box and all these beautiful art pieces around it and the lid actually opens and there's space inside the box. So I can't, I mean, it's so exciting. This is it's gonna be so cool. And I know that the Jefferson fans are gonna love it. Ooh, look for that. Absolutely. That's, wow, there's even more <laughs> cool stuff. You never need to yeah. know it. Kathy, thank you so much. Stay safe. Thank you, Luke. Take care, enjoy uh, all the, whenever you get back on tour, enjoy that. And we're looking forward to Mother of the Sun. Awesome. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Really fun interview there with Kathy Richardson, lead singer of Jefferson Starship. You can learn more about them at jeffersonstarship.com. That's jeffersonstarship.com. They're on Facebook. Kathy Richardson is on Facebook as well. So follow them. Get updates on Mother of the Sun. Again, the release date is August 21st. It's About Time is already out. Give that a listen. It's a really good song. But yeah. New music from Jefferson Starship. It's it's really cool. Anytime you get new music from a band that's been around a long time, this is this is this is going to be a good one. This has been the latest edition of Got Time for a Quick Story. Thanks as always to Greatest Hits 98.1 Radio in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, for providing facilities for doing these interviews. You can listen to these interviews as well at greatesthits981.com. Click on interviews and listen to them there. There are more of these editions of the Got Time for a Quick Story podcast there, plus additional interviews by my co-worker John Murphy. Interviews some other musicians and other uh, uh, significant figures in, in the arts world. You can listen to right there at the interviews page at greatesthits981.com. Of course, you can find this podcast at Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, a lot of... Apple Android, of course. Find find it there. Subscribe so you know when new episodes arrive. And, of course, um, rate it up preferably higher. That'll spread the word around about this podcast. Got time for a quick story? I'm Luke Anthony.